0: Welcome to the Behavior Speak podcast. Now here's your host Ben Ryman. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Behavior Speak podcast. As always, I'm your host
1: Ben Ryman. Today on the podcast we have Brendan Harris. Welcome to the podcast, Bren. Thank you. Uh, before we get started,
0: I just want to acknowledge that I'm producing this podcast. On the territories of the Klaaman, Homoko, Klehus, and
1: Homaks, First Nations, uh, who were borderless members of the Coast Salish before we settlers came in and them all under reserves. Um, yeah, grateful to be here. All right, so. In.
0: Uh when we get started on sort of kind of uh, the main focus of today's talk, I wouldn't mind just learning a bit about you. Uh, maybe tell us a bit about kind of, you know, how you got into the field and but also, you know, uh, you know, kind of any history leading up to kind
2: of the, the main topics of today. Sure. Um, so. I kind of call myself a bit of a generalist um, because I, I dabbled in a lot of different areas of application and behavior analysis um, before mm. settling on um, my current um, interest. Mm. I, I started um, back when I was 16, I actually worked for a nonprofit um, ABA clinic because um, a family member of mine um, is autistic and they were receiving uh-huh. early intervention there. Um, and so I kind of started like, even back when I was a kid, I was sort of the model peer for a lot of the, of the other clients. Um, and so I, I worked there up until I was 18. Um, and I, I, you know, kind of was subject to that, um, pretty heavy burnout, um, that happens with a lot of behavior analysts in the field. And so Mm. I thought maybe, maybe this isn't my cup of tea, um, even though it was a very rewarding, um, place of work. Um, and so I took a little break from behavior analysis to get my undergrad in psychology. And during my undergrad, they had me intern at, um, the Fort Worth zoo. And I actually, um, mm. got to learn a lot about, um, enrichment and data collection from, uh, Dr. Jennifer Elston over at Fort Worth zoo. Um, so I, I kind of, that rekindled my love for behavior analysis. And mm. so I went back, um, and started um, my master's program at UNT, um, and I worked with a lot of the faculty there. Originally, I was there um, to work with animals, but then um, I found sort of a love for neuroscience mm. um, and also working for, with, um, with adult populations. I um, currently um, am working on a thesis um, for studying um, the auditory system and auditory plasticity um, in regards to teaching auditory discriminations. Um, and, and also, uh, I currently work, um, at UNT's Engage program where I work with, um, adults, um, neurodivergent individuals kind of transitioning to college. So I, I kind of, I've been all over the place, <laughs> suffice to say. Um, And I guess leading up to the topic that we are going to discuss, um, I I didn't realize I was uh, trans until um, I think around 2020 during the pandemic when Mm. I was (laughs) no longer expected to perform those gender norms that people normally expect. Um, And that gave me the ability to sort of explore. And I began medically transitioning soon after.
1: Mm. Wow. So, So
0: 2020, that's not very long ago
2: yeah not very long ago at all um so i'm I'm still kind of a baby in the trans community
0: <laughs> yeah 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 and so i mean was it just sort of uh and i mean forgive me if i'm sort of being a bit ignorant here but um was it just sort of a it was was it just sort of suddenly in 2020 you, you kind of had this sort of realization um, or were it, did it build up at all it just sounds
2: there were definitely signs when i was a kid um yeah. but the thing is i i, I like to kind of put this in sort of behavior analytic terms, the sensations were always there that there was some sort of disconnect, but I did yeah. not have the language to properly tact that feeling mm-hmm. until I was around 20. And I started like, or sorry, in 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was a little older than 20 at that point, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but just being able to um, sort of have the time to explore that, um, mm-hmm. I didn't have that up until that point. And, that was around the time when I started like seeing more trans creators on social media mm. and sort of, they were using tacts to describe feelings that I had always had. And so mm. I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is who I am.
0: Oh, <laughs> ah, gotcha. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, a lot of this, well, some of this stuff, you know, I mean, some of this sort of, you know, and I'm still, you know, a novice learning a lot about this, but when it comes to sort of, you just and I know it's different than uh, t- being trans, but like just the sort of gender gender fluidity conversation. I had uh, mm-hmm. Janani uh, Vaidya on a while back, from mm-hmm. episode sixty-ish, and, and they really dove into um, um, a lot of uh, this stuff. And it's basically, how a lot of the the I guess the concepts are, are just constructs, right? You know, I mean, they really just, are. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Particular, you know, there there's no biological reason for, you know, men liking trucks and women liking Barbies. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a it's it they're constructs that you know society has kind of created, and so
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it would make sense that you know. But I know I know for the little I know uh, you know about trans folks, you know one thing i have heard consistently is you know there are these feelings there are these you know sort of sensations or whatever and um that don't seem to match the sort of box one's been put in and Mm -hmm. um and but i can totally i could totally see how you know you wouldn't have words for it um
2: (laughs) yeah no one talks about it. So I, I grew up, I was homeschooled growing up in a pretty right. predominantly Christian area, mm. um, you know, in, in Texas, which is largely considered the buckle of the Bible belt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I didn't get a lot of, and it wasn't because my my parents were not supportive. They actually, like when I came out to them, they were quite supportive. Um, mm. It's just that they didn't know how to teach that to me. Um and gave me that language to describe how I was feeling. Mm. Um, and you know, no one ever talks about it. They just kind of say, Oh, you're expected to like this. Um, and when you don't like it, you're, you know, kind of treated as weird. Mm. Um, you're you're very much like ostracized for it. Mm. So I I didn't ever fully connect to, you know, um, I was expected to be friends with a lot of the girls in my life, but I never connected to them fully based on their entr- interests. Mm. Um, I just never shared the same like. There was none of that camaraderie that um I I really like. And that's not to say that the people were bad. No, not at all. Um I, I just wasn't quite I was being seen as someone I was not. And mm. that made me feel disconnected.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And what
0: about um and again I'm 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 looking at my notes here, and of course they're just single words with no explanation as to why I wrote them. <laughs> um I but, feel that. But there's uh there's there's also, you mentioned you had a, uh, an autistic family member, but mm-hmm. this is also closer to home too, no? Uh,
2: yes, I am also autistic. Um, I've never been fully formally diagnosed, but I've done a fair amount of research in the area. Mm. Um, and I'm pretty sure I, I would qualify for an autism diagnosis. I just yeah, yeah, don't yeah. have access to that.
0: And so was that something also that... Uh, was that something you were you, you've you had thoughts about sort of long before sort of the the trans, uh, you know, um, thought um, process
2: or was it all around the same time or roughly? Um, I, I will say that actually um, the autism is a little more recent mm. um, just from, you know, being able to talk with other people within my own field of interest who are also autistic and having us, you know, um, point out the exact same like things that we struggle with, and oh, that's <laughs> that's because we're we're autistic. Okay, cool. Um, it, it's again being given language to describe things that have always been there. Because yeah. I always had issues with sensory processing growing Ooh. up. I'm, I'm very sensitive to loud noises, and Ooh. you know, like uh, panic attacks where I, I completely shut down verbally, and I didn't realize that was me having actual shutdowns. I thought right. you know people tacked them as panic attacks, and so I thought that was just how they were. But, but yeah, again, a lot of it is just being given language to describe how I've always been. Um, I've always been me. It's just now Hmm. I have the words to kind of more accurately portray that.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, and of course we know autism is, is, you know, a diagnosis of, Mm -hmm. of of observation, you know, of behavior. And so, you know, if you're not able to sort of label what's going on for you, then yeah, yeah, there's that
2: for sure if you don't have the ability to label that then like it there's no real way to talk about it it's almost like it isn't even there but no exactly
0: and i and i could see maybe kind of going back to the trans point that you know there's probably a lot of folks that are you know are trans and don't know it uh because they're you know maybe at that age where they don't have the words to sort of describe but i would hope that you know i I actually not hope a question. I don't know if you know the answer to it, but was this sort of something that a lot of folks, a lot of trans folks, kind of came to this realization in twenty twenty because of pandemic, because of social media and whatnot? Has there was there a bit of a, a surge there?
2: Actually, yes. Um, I I will say that hmm. um there were a lot of people who realized they were trans in twenty twenty again because they were placed in a new environment. Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, being stuck in their house all day and and not uh, you know and being able to they mostly would turn to social media and a lot of trans people were already on there. And just, there was a lot of sharing of that language and knowledge that I think happened because of the pandemic that allowed Mm -hmm. a lot of people to take time to sit back and realize that about themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, I think it it really helped a lot of people kind of realize who they were.
1: Mm.
0: And, uh, you know, and I hope by me saying this out loud, I don't make things worse, but Um, I I can totally see a sort of transphobic, uh, response to this being like, you know, COVID caused, you know, (laughs) know, this is part of long COVID. No,
2: yeah. What's funny is I actually have never had COVID. Mm. Uh so just just to give you, assure you there. <laughs> um, well then it must be the vaccine. It know. must be the vaccines, yes, clearly, clearly. <laughs> right, right, um yeah. it also autism caused...
0: and co- autism and trans at the same time from yeah, vaccines. Yeah, yeah. From I got I got the twofer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, Which, yeah, but um yeah, it just vaccines do not cause autism and they also um do not cause you to be trans. Yeah. yeah thank um, you for that. No. I was going to add
0: that disclaimer in there for folks yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. um and, and then there's also interesting enough when we're talking about this and i have seen some some actually some recent kind of research came around it that there's actually a bit of a autism and trans sort of mm-hmm. correlation connection
1: yeah.
2: yes um i think it's a lot of it is um i had i had better words to describe this yeah. <laughs> before you asked me that question but um a lot of it is, I, I think, like, um, with the autistic community, it's, it's us not really being aware of all of the social rules that come with certain gender roles yeah. or being more able to ignore them uh, because mm. we don't like them.
1: Mm. Uh, you know, just
2: going more in line with how we see ourselves, even if that goes very much against the grain of how others see us. Um, I think having that prerequisite skill is is necessary um, when you realize that you're trans. You have to mm. go against what literally everyone has told you ever Mm. since you were a kid. Mm, mm, Um, mm. And that takes a lot of being able to just kind of, you know, say, you know what, screw it. I I am who I am. And if people Mm -hmm. don't like that, then, you know, I don't care. It it takes that sort of, I won't say that that's necessary to be trans, but I I will say that like, it helps you realize a little bit faster um, when you're able to kind of you know, ignore those social roles that have been drilled into you all your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, curious though, just from for your own experience, you know, you're, you you you. It was twenty twenty, and you mm-hmm. started kind of going through transition and, and doing some of the, the those medical pieces and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you're in Texas, which is you know as I love it <laughs> the buckle as it is. Yes. Um, um, I guess I'm surprised to hear you were able to do things so quickly. Um,
2: um, (laughs) Yeah. um, yeah. Well, I, I actually am not representative of most of the trans community in in this Mm. case um, Mm. because I just to kind of give some context, um, I have a very supportive family um, Mm. and that's not the case for a lot of trans people. I have a supportive community around me Mm. and I am in a, career that allows me to pay for these sort of things. Mm. Um, and mm. a lot of trans people don't have that privilege.
1: Right. A lot of trans
2: people end up becoming homeless because they are kicked out by their families and disowned um, mm. and don't receive any financial support from them to help mm. them uh, fund their medical transition. A lot yes. of them are you know, using insurances that don't cover medical transition either. Um, I'm lucky in that my, um, out of state insurance, um, still covers it, um, to my knowledge. Um, Mm. and I was able to, um, I also have a lot of experience in medical advocacy, so I was able to go out of my way and find what I needed. Um, Mm. and I had the, uh basically the, the tools necessary to cover it, a lot of trans people will be put on wait lists for years for top surgery or mm. um, for even just the initial consultation appointment. I remember, um, and this is slightly more representative, uh, it took me months to get a single consultation, consultation appointment for my testosterone. Wow. Um, and that's, that's the case for a lot of clinics. You will end up waiting. Like I've heard people waiting up to six months for just the consultation appointment so that they can get their testosterone or, um, HRT, estrogen, um, wherever, whatever they're using for their medical transition. Mm. Um, but yeah, I am lucky in that I had insurance that covers medical transition. I knew where I needed to go. And also um, I have a family that was able to help me uh, help fund this because um, mm. otherwise I would not have been able to afford top surgery um, completely uninsured that can run from 5k to 10k Yeah, that um, was a really question. way mm. more. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a GoFundMe page that was actually very successful. Um, mm. That allowed me to, to pursue that. Um, but you'll, you'll get a lot of trans people who have been waiting upwards of like five or more years to, to get, you know, top surgery and, and all that other medical transition. And and that's to say also um, some people choose not to medically transition and that's totally fine. Um, mm. It might be health issues preventing them from going on HRT or right. um, they just decide, you know what, I, my body doesn't need any changing. It's just socially people need to refer to me by such and such name and pronouns. And that's fine. Mm. Um, what There's no prescribed like just steps you have to take in order mm. to be considered a trans person. Um, the definition of being transgender is that you don't, uh, uh, you know, you don't agree with the gender you've been assigned at birth and you think it's mm. different. Um, and not to think, you know, it's different. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and so, you know, for transition will look different for every single trans person you talk to. For me, it mm. included um, top surgery and HRT. Um, and for some people it'll include like other surgeries. Like, um, there's, I think for trans women, there's facial feminization surgery, Mm. um, that actually involves like, um, I I don't know all the specifics, but it does involve changing their jawline, getting a nose job, you know, things like that, um, that help them feel more connected to their body. Those are the reasons you take those steps is to feel more connected with yourself, with how you feel on the inside. And I know Mm. it's mentalistic, but, um, you know having everything match
0: no this is this is interesting like like a, um, uh, um that there really isn't and it makes sense that there really isn't a sort of a strict definition and and steps that must be taken in order yeah. for you to be able to identify i mean there's no rules about identif- any other identity yeah. um, you know per se i mean certainly there's some you know I actually wouldn't say there's no rules i mean we have a we have a <laughs> we we have, we have an issue up here in canada uh, uh, um, um that's being sort of dubbed the pretendian movement uh which is basically individuals identifying as indigenous oh. uh when they're not um so there are there are definitely rules mm. i think in, in certain um, uh, identities uh, you know uh, that, that that need to be followed um yeah uh, uh, you know, uh, and and that's and and because it's bad. We've had like, I know this is a digression, but just sort of to the point of identities. I mean, we've had folks, really famous folks, um, um, uh, uh, taking advantage of scholarship and and uh, you know honorary degrees and all these sorts of things oh, wow. because they were indigenous. And then it's it's turning out that many many folks. Are in
2: fact not indigenous and it's a big yeah. problem up yeah well for for trans people um there are not a lot of those sorts of opportunities um in terms of like scholarships and and honorary right. degrees and that sort of thing um and no, no advantages to becoming there, there are literally trans, yeah. <laughs> there are no advantages um you you basically with when people say that they're you know they come out as trans a lot of times mm-hmm. they will lose most of the social circles they had growing up i've mm-hmm. lost a mm-hmm. lot of friends from yeah. coming out um, sure. and I you know I, I I'm thankful in that I was able to you know um, have a lot of family and still have some friends that mm. were accepting of me but so many other trans people lose their entire family um, or um, you know lose their friends they'll lose partners some mm. who have been married while uh, they were um, a certain identity um, right I'm out as trans and they will lose a spouse Yes. Um so it it's there is so much loss that comes from coming out as trans. You you really kind of um you, you lose so much, but mm-hmm. what you gain um is is so much more. Mm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so I guess and it is is there, you know, and I me mean, this is you know, this is me sort of learning, of course. Um, is there because they're so in of, you know, it, again, it's 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 feeling, it's it's you know, self identi- identity and so on and so forth. You don't need a a stamp on your driver's license to be <laughs> to be whatever. Although you know, there certainly can be, you know, a lot of problems there in terms of dead naming and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um But wondering, is there? I mean, we are there's there's I mean, there's obvious sort of, you know, direct sort of you know hate towards Mm -hmm. trans people uh, you know around and you know and and I can see that certainly a religious foundation for a lot of that but also just you know not seeing the differences and whatnot as well but wondering are do folks sort of make judgments based on for and I'm not thinking of you in particular but make judgments on trans folks if they haven't gone the medical route
2: Yes, actually. There's mm. um there's even within our own community, um, we, we call them trans meds, which are basically called trans medicalists. Um, and they're people who believe that you have to have some sort of medical transition in order to be considered trans. And that is mm. very much not the case. Mm. In, in fact, um, a lot of people think that um you need dysphoria in order to be considered trans. And and from an insurance standpoint and you know, in terms of like getting the diagnosis of gender dysphoria, yes. But um, people don't talk about this a lot, but there's, there's a different feeling from dysphoria and that's gender euphoria, mm-hmm. um, where you feel genuine happiness, um, when you are, uh, doing something that connects you, um, to your, um, gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, for example, a trans woman could paint her nails and feel very, very happy, uh, for doing that. And that's mm-hmm. that feeling, uh, we often tact as gender euphoria. So, um, we have both dysphoria and euphoria. You don't need like one or the other um, to be considered trans. Mm. Um, that That's kind of um, are because you say you are. Yes. Um, and a lot of people have issues with that. Um, and they believe that you need to suffer in order to be considered trans and like undergo like for some people like really painful medical procedures. Like I I will say top surgery is is no joke. Mm. It is a rough thing to recover from. Yeah, um, I bet. Yeah. And and so you don't need to go through these medical procedures to be considered trans. That's mm. not that's not necessary.
0: There is a lack of diversity when it comes to educational material depicting black children in the field of applied behavior analysis. Human expressions gives black and brown children realistic and detailed images of kids who look like them, modeling everyday skills that may be difficult for them to communicate or express. At human expressions, the benefits of representation for black and brown kids in educational curricula are clear. Increased self-esteem. Reducing stereotypes and increase validation and support. To learn more, go to www.humanexpressions.org. That's human, H U E M A N, expressions.org. If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is drag. It's, pr- it's pretty obvious in, in, in how you describe it, but just just for folks, can you sort of give a, you know, your own kind of definition of what you mean by gender dysphoria? Because I've heard that, oh, yes. that term a lot.
2: Um, dysphoria is, it's hard to describe to people who have not experienced it. But what I like to kind of call it is, um, it's that feeling of disconnect mm. from your true self. Mm. It is feeling as though everyone is seeing you as something different than what you know yourself to be. Um, It's, it's discomfort. It's, it's Mm. kind of um, I heard this one trans creator actually describe it really well. It's like feeling as though you have a pebble in your shoe. And, um, all your life, you've had this pebble in your shoe and you've been walking around. It kind of hurts, but you know, mm. you assume that everyone else kind of has that pebble in their shoe. So that's kind of mm. how you, you learn to walk. Mm. And then someone comes ar- along and says, Hey, you have a pebble in your shoe. Um, are you okay? Do you want like a new pair of shoes? And you're like, wait a second, people don't have this pain in their shoe. <laughs> um, and you know, once you're aware of it, it, it does mm. like it tend to intensify like, Oh, there's, you know, like there's a way to not feel this pain and I've been just subjecting myself to it all my Mm, life. Um, so, you know, um, once you take the pebble out of your shoe and you know, you get yourself a nice comfy pair of shoes, you're like, Oh yeah, this feels great. (laughs) Um, and so that's the feeling of like getting rid of that dysphoria is, Mm. is sort of getting you a shoe that fits. And Mm -hmm. you know that great feeling afterwards—that that's usually considered gender euphoria. And some people might not necessarily need the pebble in their shoe to know that they need a new pair of shoes. And that's kind of how I describe not necessarily needing dysphoria to Mm -hmm. be considered trans. You Mm -hmm. might just need a new pair of shoes. (laughs)
1: Mm.
0: No, I love that. I love that. Something else we were talking about when we chatted before was around, and this kind of relates to the sort of. You know the twenty twenty topic, and a lot of folks kind of uh yeah um come in there come into that that realization for themselves is and I know this isn't the case, but it does seem from uh you know because it's we only learn what we see in the media or mm-hmm. in the conversations that we have and and you know uh you're the first um um person that's you know openly identified as trans to me that I've had a conversation with in, in my life mm-hmm. um, and yet I, I'm I'm quite well aware that there's been trans people before that but mm-hmm. it does sort of seem and I'm, I'm sort of speaking from that again from that transphobic sort of perspective it does sort of and, and from and, and kind of this will kind of lead to I think mm-hmm. the reason why we wanted to kind of have this conversation in the first place that this the the this the being trans is kind of a like a gen z thing like it's a thing that just yeah. kind of came out you know recently as a way for you know people to rebel against their christian parents or whatever you know narrative you kind of want <laughs> want to put in there and 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 that's obviously not the case so yeah but why, why does it sort of seem that way to some folks
2: there are, I think, several factors that I can point to that kind of mm. like contributes to this narrative. Yeah. One, if if you think about it, um, historically, trans people, if they come out, they are ostracized, discriminated yeah. against, and often killed. Yeah. Um, and so we're seeing that surge because a lot of trans people are no longer being killed for who they are. Mm. Um, and the reason we're seeing a lot of particularly young people is because... We've lo- we lost a lot of trans people, especially during the HIV and AIDS epidemic. Um, mm. So, we lost a lot of those older folks that we would normally mm. see in our community. Um, so, we, we've lost them. And in addition, a lot of trans people, when they're so heavily ostracized by society and they don't have that community around them, a lot of them um, do end up um, unfortunately losing their lives to suicide. Mm. And so, because we have more community now, especially with the onset of social media, yeah. and um, you know, I, I like to also um, kind of showcase. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen that graph circulating social media and the internet, but there's that graph of a uh, of graph of um, incidences of left-handed people in history. And you see just this huge increase in, I think, around the 80s. Mm. um, And that's because teachers were no longer forcing students to use their right hand. Um, They were no longer forcing or like discriminating against left-handed people. So you see that increase in instances, not because suddenly, oh, a whole bunch of left-handed people were born. It's because Mm. the left-handed people that were existing were no longer being suppressed. So that's kind of what we see now with trans people is we're not granted we are still being very much oppressed which we'll get to in a sec but yeah. like um we're seeing more of that community and because because of the HIV epidemic and historical discrimination and mm. murder of trans people we don't see a lot of older folks mm. um but there should have been more
0: yeah and and kind of like how far back in history you know does does this go like like cuz you know some folks We'll think, okay, well, then maybe this started with the Industrial Revolution because of the <laughs> chemicals in the air or something
2: like that. Or something. Oh, the chemicals in the air. <laughs> no, no. I promise it's before the chemicals in the air. Um, it Actually, there was this beautiful poem um, that was written by what a lot of historians consider to be among one of the first trans women. Mm. Um, it was a uh, Jewish woman um, who basically... Um, mourns that god did not make her a woman um mm. and it was written i think in the 1400s so wow. a long time ago um and and that's like considered like um the first like written instance of uh a trans person but um it's assumed that uh it went back way further than that mm-hmm. um but but yeah it prior to the the industrial revolution we've been here for for centuries yeah um so it's And in addition, the singular person, I I know a lot of people tend to rag on people who use they, them pronouns, um, Mm. but the singular use they, them has been used for people for centuries before as well. Really? Um, So, and I don't remember the exact um, time period of this Mm. historical figure, but there was, um, there was someone just named, like, I think it was the the universal friend. Mm. I'll have to look up and see if I'm getting their name right. But there was this individual who went by they, them pronouns, um, Entirely and just um, and and people accepted them and they were they I think they were uh, later considered a saint, Uh, but I I don't.
0: Are you a BCBA supervisor looking to streamline your practice or maybe you're working towards your BCBA and need to find the right supervisor? Whomhouse offers tools that make supervision so much more enjoyable for both supervisor and supervisee. For supervisors, they offer easy meeting documentation competency tracking, monthly verification forms, a built-in supervision curriculum, and so much more. For supervisees, Whomhouse has a fieldwork tracker with built-in auditing, monthly verification forms, a curriculum, quizzes, and more. If you're looking for a supervisor, they even have a supervision marketplace where you can connect with BCBAs until you find your perfect match, kind of like professional dating. For more information, go to whomhouse.com forward slash speak or search Whomhouse on Google. The second secret word is dead naming. Dead naming. All right, so Brandon, so kind of get into kind of more of the the present day stuff and kind of the mm-hmm. the reason why I uh, I uh, wanted to bring in the podcast um, was um, uh, a Facebook post talking about. Um, uh, yeah. With a kind of little QR code on it, and it was looking for kind of behavior analysts uh, in particular to kind of take a look at uh, at this at, mm-hmm. at, at this QR code related to some some legislation that was either in the works or just about to be voted on or something to that effect, uh, mm-hmm. anti-trans legislation that is, um, and kind of you know obviously it affects people from all walks of life uh that that either are trans or um or you know or and not or or aren't actually it's gonna affect everybody um <laughs> yeah and uh and so but in particular we were we kind of wanted to touch on how this might affect uh you know uh, folks in behavior analysis as well um so we mm-hmm. can eventually kind of get to that so maybe you could just sort of tell me tell us what's um I think we we've, we've heard a lot about kind of what's been happening in the southern states in Florida, and Florida, mm-hmm. the Don't Say Gay, all that kind of stuff and and anti-drag conversations and different things like that. Uh but there's, you know, there's there's specific legislation that's coming out. So what's happening kind of in your state of Texas right now and and how's
1: that?
2: So yeah, so so to date there are about 140 anti-trans bills being pushed in Texas legislation and um a lot of them kind of target different um, facets of a trans person's life or might um, not necessarily say um, anything about trans people in the bill, but the way that some of the terms are defined would definitely affect trans people. Mm. Um, the, the few bills in particular that um, are are very um, dangerous for trans people are um, SB 1029. And that one would, although it is not a outright ban on gender affirming care, it makes Um, healthcare practitioners and um, insurance companies liable to pay, um, basically, if someone sues them and says, oh, hey, I detransitioned, so you have to cover all of my costs. um, Essentially, uh, they don't have to prove medical malpractice, so it would completely decentivize um, uh, healthcare providers and insurance companies covering trans-affirming care um and what i mean by detransition a lot of republicans tend to sort of use this um mm. whole argument that um keep a lot of trans people detransition so what's even the point um mm. but actually not a lot of um and what i mean by detransition is essentially it's kind of how it sounds um it you know you go back to the pronouns and name you used um before you, um, take medical steps to sort of reverse the effects of, of medical transition, um, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but the thing is a very, very small percentage of, uh, people detransition, um, mm-hmm. even smaller than the numbers that, uh, the Republicans tend to, to continually use. I think it's less than like, I think it's like point something percent, some, somewhere sure. on there. It's a very, very small percentage. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, um, people detransition, not necessarily because, oh, I realize I'm not trans and I made a mistake. It's Mm. a lot of times it's due to discrimination or a lack Mm. of access to gender affirming care. People will be forced to detransition. And, uh, that's, that's torture for a lot of trans people. So, um, there, there really isn't a, really isn't a basis for making healthcare practitioners and, um, you know, insurance providers liable for that to such a degree that anyone who's received services from these clinics can go, hey, I actually detransitioned, so you're gonna have to pay me a lot of money. <laughs> um and, and so it it I laugh, but it, it's really not it's not good. Um mm. it's a very, very dangerous bill. Um that while it is very insidious in in how it's kind of worded, it would essentially ban gender affirming care in the state. people of all ages because Um,
0: because clinicians wouldn't want to take on the risk is that the
2: idea yes yeah basically it would be too risky for clinicians um to to take that risk um there obviously there will be people who will still provide gender-affirming care anyway but they run the risk of being sued for malpractice without really necessarily having to prove malpractice um and it's just a it's yeah, it, it essentially punishes them for even providing this care.
1: So I'm just, so I'm I'm not very good with
2: legal talk.
0: <laughs> so I'm trying to sort of uh, understand.
2: And I so apologize, I, I, I should explain it a little better. Well, but, no,
0: no, um, no, I think you probably are. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to sort of say, so. You said like a very small percentage, like less than one percent of folks, mm-hmm. maybe what can you find the stat somewhere, I'm sure. But very a very low amount of of, of trans folks actually choose to de, de, to detransition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so if 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 say I chose to detransition for you know one of those reasons that you mm-hmm. you listed, um, what does the law then say? What would this new law say that I could do? Or what 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 does that what will happen?
2: Um, You could sue your medical provider um, to make them cover any, basically any expenses or um, anything that happens when you detransition, but usually, um, and that would run the risk of having the uh, practitioner lose their license. So you could very easily um, completely screw over the clinic that you received services from.
0: Mm. So so basically... It it would make it so that so does it mean that it that the, the the transition services that were provided would I could sue them and say that was malpractice you shouldn't have provided that for me is that what it is or
2: um I, and honestly I I don't a hundred percent know the legalese either yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's not necessarily my forte but no. um, from what I've I've read um it, it essentially. I'm sorry could you repeat the question I lost my well, I'm,
0: I'm just trying to understand sort of no it's all good I, I'm just trying to understand sort of like why would it like if a clinician sort of knows that you know most people don't detransition um mm-hmm. then why would they be concerned about being
2: sued for it um because a lot of People who a lot of these clinics, uh, clinics provide other services. So people mm. from, who are cis um, could also sue these places. Um, it's not mm. necessarily just trans people detransitioning, they sue, it basically allows cis people to sue them as well.
0: Mm, gotcha 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 so it's not
2: restricted to just this really small population of people who detransition and are angry about it like right right um, it's actually like allowing cis people to sue these places into the ground
0: mm, for for providing this service yes
2: uh wild
0: okay mm-hmm. super
2: insidious. Very right. insidious
0: so that's just one of them
2: yeah, that's just one. And that one, from what I've heard, um, has made it through the Senate um, and is currently in the Texas House. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to be voted on, I think this week, or it could be a little bit later. But um, mm-hmm. I think at the very least, like within the next couple of weeks, we'll hear whether or not that passes into law. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very scary. Um, the other bill that is uh, concerning me personally is SB 12 which um, is an anti-drag bill that basically uh, criminalizes hmm. drag performances um, in public places or in the presence of a minor. Okay. Um, but as we know about operational definitions, um, the way they define drag is vague enough to include trans people um, in a lot of different contexts. Because the way they, they define, define it is basically, um, oh, hey – A person in drag is a man wearing clothes and makeup associated with women Mm. and uh it's women wearing men's clothing they basically like they're very much making it vague to the point where trans people also count Mm. and while it is restricted to performance the way they describe performance is also a bit vague as well so it could be as innocuous as um a trans person presenting information at a conference that would mm. fall under the jurisdiction of this law. Um, as well as um, you know, if a trans parent has a kid, that actually would also um you'd be performing in the presence of a minor. Um mm. if you like, you know, sing karaoke with your kid. Um so it's it's a lot of different contexts that um would all be a lot of it would put a lot of trans people in danger um yeah. uh, of being uh sued and and uh civil and criminal penalties, I think it it would this bill would make it a class A misdemeanor
0: right and of course it would just open up the doors for sort of the anti-trans vigilante to basically yeah. look for anyone with a you know a, a painted nail or a you know yeah or or, or 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 a lumberjack shirt on or whatever you want to call it yeah um and go, <laughs> you know you know and go you know and and and, and report them
2: absolutely um that and also like if you know for example you're like me and are openly trans on your social media um there are people online who will you know basically cyber stalk you Mm -hmm. and report you that way as well so it's you know it's very dangerous um and these kinds of bills make it to where a lot of people um not just in texas but in florida and other southern states they're they're fleeing their home states in order to get away from these bills before they pass Mm. um before they are not able to leave
0: wow wow and i I, am now i'm thinking about sort of you know and again i see how this affects sort of everyone but certainly Mm -hmm. for folks in our field you know we've got lots of conferences coming up lots of ways that can happen but i'm also thinking about just sort of general sort of just even rbt work or any of that any kind of work with children you Mm -hmm. know we we work in any trans rbt trans bcba that's working with kids you know you know, there could be a risk there.
2: There there is. Yeah. Cause you'd be technically performing in the presence of a minor. Mm-hmm. And so you you could fall under the jurisdiction of this bill. And this bill would basically make you pay like ten thousand dollars um in, in civil penalties. Um wow. and have that on your, you know, criminal record. It it's it it's very dangerous. Um and yeah, it definitely affects RBTs. It also affects like um there are other bills also um, at play that would affect trans clients like trans children. Um, Mm, mm. and in particular, um, SB 14, I believe would basically that that one is the one that bans gender affirming care for children, um, which, you know, would, would make it to where a lot of clients that you have that are trans would, would in order to continue, um, granted for, for younger children, like that sort of, um, bill might not necessarily like affect them that much because a lot of children don't necessarily go through medical transition but access to puberty blockers is definitely um would definitely be affected by this and that right. has very lasting damages on trans children when they have to go through the wrong puberty
0: oh yes of course of course and that's usually sort of the initial kind of mm-hmm. medical care that kind of yeah. kids would get yeah
2: yeah, a lot cool. of people assume that um, trans kids go through all of the surgeries and all of the, the crazy things that happen uh, with, with, with gender-affirming care, but like, no, actually, um, children usually um, will only socially transition, and what I mean by that is essentially um, go by a certain name, go by right. pronouns, um, maybe change their hair and the way they dress, um, just to kind of match up with everything, and later, um, when they are slightly older... Um, They will uh, receive puberty blockers and Mm. those essentially just kind of, they don't prevent puberty. They pause it um, until the child is old enough to make a decision on whether or not they want to pursue um, HRT. Um, Mm. So they'll be on those puberty blockers until around the age of 18. And then once that happens, it's actually way easier to medically transition when you haven't had to basically undo the damages of a wrong puberty.
0: Right, right. And is there, and, and, and I know you're not a medical doctor, but just yeah. from what you know, you know, is
2: there is there any kind of risk to taking puberty blockers? Um, from what I know, there are some slight issues with like bone density, I mm. believe. But right, right. Like it's apparently the risk from what I've read is very minimal. Right. Um, and again, you would not be on this permanently. You would just be on it yeah. long enough to where you can start HRT. Sure. Um, or if you decide, oh, Hey, maybe I'm not trans, then you can just stop taking the puberty blockers and undergo the, the original like puberty. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, gotcha. it's just putting, oh, they're old enough to make a decision.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right. I, I want to get into sort of what folks can do right now to sort of make these changes, but I'd like to put that at the very end. So, you know, the recency effect, that's the last thing they hear when they kind of messed yeah. up on the podcast, <laughs> um, uh, so before we kind of get into what folks can do and 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 kind of you know who they can write to or they can call or whatever
2: um mm-hmm.
0: i want i wanna talk a little bit about kind of some best practices from sort of your perspective for for folks supporting kind of you know trans students and trans clients just things that we you know we can be thinking about because. Now that you tell, now, you know, now that I kind of understand a little more, it's quite possible, you know, that you, uh, I think there's sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of imagining kind of two angles here. One, you've kind of got children that, you know, are, you know, clearly, you know, transitioning or or, mm-hmm. or making those decisions. But then you've also probably got a whole bunch of children um, and even a higher instance, we, we think, you know, with autistic kids um, that are having these feelings but aren't able to attack them and so you've so you've got a you've got a group of kids that you know don't even you know 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 they're trans um and then you've got a group of kids that you know maybe maybe do know they're trans um and then certainly a whole bunch of different groups in between depending on whether they've come out depending on whether their families support them depending when they have resources and so on and so forth so what are some of the things that you know We as professionals, and this doesn't even have to be behavior analysts, this is just professionals working with kids, um, you know, um, need to be need to be kind of thinking about.
2: I guess um, there's there's tons of things, Mm -hmm. Um, but the first one is just making sure that you're educated on on what trans issues even are, because right. I, because we don't really talk about it a lot, um, and we're only just starting to talk about it in professional circles, yeah. um, there aren't a lot of, at least for behavior analysts, there are a few, from what I've read, there are a few articles that have, like, some guidelines for best practice, but mm. um, they're very few and far between, and some of them are not quite up to date, mm. um, so relying on um, more, like, general, like, I believe the WPATH Path um, and the World Health Organization do have best practice guidelines for trans people that are, right. that are relatively up to date. Um, there's also some pretty good, um, some pretty good uh, sort of educational resources online.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but just making sure that you kind of know, okay, what's gender dysphoria, and being able to knowing how to tact those feelings so that when you observe them, you might be able to give those those tacts to your mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and also speaking of being able to give those tacts teaching clients about trans people and the fact that they exist um, is Mm. is also very important. I I remember back when I worked at that nonprofit clinic all those years ago, um, one of the things I noticed was the way that they taught pronouns to kids Hmm. um, was through using these very outdated um very stereotyped little note cards that had he him on it uh there was one very masculine presenting dude on there Mm. Uh, and then there was another card that had she her that had a very feminine uh, presenting person with a dress long hair makeup everything and then they them had multiple people right (laughs) yes (laughs) so so um being able to teach concepts without relying on harmful gender stereotypes is also a very important thing. Um, so, you know, just, just using pronouns as, okay, this is how this person wants to be referred to. Mm. Um, not necessarily as, okay, when you see a person with these sets of characteristics, you tell them to use these pronouns. Honestly, a better way of teaching it would be to have teach the client to ask the other person what their pronouns are before referring to them.
0: Sure, sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. So then we're talking about kind of teaching the cis clients how to sort of yeah, interact yeah. and recognize. But and at the same time, we it's not you're not, but you're not. You're also not sort of you know splitting yeah. them off into category. Okay, cis no, folks, yeah. we're going to talk about pronouns. Trans folks, we're going to leave you over here yeah. because again, we, <laughs> no, we yeah. don't we don't really know we may not even we may not even know
2: who's who in in the audience yeah we we might not know who's who so rather than assuming we know um it's Mm -hmm. better to just teach everyone what these tactics are so that for the people it applies to they'll know Mm -hmm. um they'll be able to tack those feelings and be like oh okay that's what that feels like Mm -hmm. um and have that same realization um but it also helps cis people to know how to refer to trans people so you know it teaching everyone using this method, um, in terms of like pronouns and asking for them rather than assuming them is, is a safer bet in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that, that's only like one way. Um, also just, you know, respecting if a client wants to be called something different than what's on their file.
1: Yes. Um,
2: I, I work with clients uh, that have um, I, I have some trans um, students that I work with, and they have their dead name on their file because I don't know if you know this or if a lot of people do, but changing your name legally is a bit of a hassle in Texas. Mm. Um, you have to go through all of this paperwork and then you have to, you know, pay about $300 for a court fee. And it's just a whole thing. You have to present it to a judge, write down your reasoning why, and it's a lot of steps. And for young adults that, you know, for a lot of them that are also autistic, that it requires a lot of executive functioning that some of them might struggle with. So it's there, they might not have their chosen name on their file yet. so it's important to, you know, maybe have that on perhaps intake forms or something of that nature to figure out what your client actually wants to be referred to as. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so what about sort of what are, what are some things we often hear about sort of making spaces safe mm-hmm. uh, for trans folks?
2: And so what, what does it mean to create a safe space? I guess um, a safe space for me is a welcome one. Mm. So essentially doing things like what I said, like having intake forms that are able to um, include like spaces for chosen names, for pronouns, um, having like, you know, displaying flags during Pride. That's not obviously the only reason, but also respecting the uh, names and pronouns of all of your clients um even if perhaps those pronouns might not make 100 percent sense to you Mm. um they make sense to the client um and and just you know normalizing talking about gender and sexuality um and that doesn't mean you have to like you know give sex ed to like five-year-olds that's not what this means basically saying like oh yeah this person uses he him pronouns i'm gonna call him a him you know like basic things like that and um not treating trans people or, or LGBTQ people as as odd things that just aren't talked about. Starting those conversations and showing that this is a safe split, uh, place to talk about it is is one way that you can create a really good safe space. Um, and also just having that sort of trans representation in the uh, programs and, and teaching materials that you use. Um, yes. For example, that, that sort of, um, like if you have uh note cards that have like uh people on them maybe including a trans person in there um every once in a while um w- helping increase that representation while normalizing a place mm-hmm. to talk about these sorts of things i think is a good way to make a safe space
0: zigzag is an autism therapy management platform at its core zigzag seamlessly allows management of programs adding editing changing long-term and short-term objectives on the go. Zigzag makes data collection super easy for therapists on-site and automatically calculates progress, providing you with session summaries and graphs in real time. Zigzag provides you the ability to manage all of your clients, whether they be center or home-based, and work with all the various therapists and parents seamlessly. Zigzag is based in Vancouver, British Columbia, and is fully compliant with both federal and provincial privacy requirements. Book a demo now at www.zigzagkid.com forward slash product demo and get a free 30-day trial. The third secret word is safe. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, in a lot of the, the previous episodes I've done, we talk a lot about kind of cultural responsiveness and cultural mm-hmm. adaptation and kind of how a lot of the materials that we have a lot of the assessments that we have a lot of the goals the targets or whatever um they're all kind of based in this sort of um you know white cis you know (laughs) type you know individual uh you know white cis you know heterosexual individual and 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 you know and based on sort of these norms and mm-hmm. and, and, and sort and and not just white, white and you know eurocentric so you know even thinking about sort of you know uh, you know and, uh, cultural backgrounds and you know mm-hmm. I, there's there's a there's a great um there's a rashida i always say her her last name wrong b i e r a i think I don't don't Mm. think I'm saying that right, but anyway, she's got a company called Human Expressions, H-U-E-M-A-N Expressions, and she makes um, Uh. um, uh, picture cards for, uh, you know, like sort of picture symbols or whatever, Uh, but... for 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 black folks and with you know and, and all kind of all the all sort of different black experiences and cultural experiences you might not see. So it's not just a matter, it's not just simply a board maker picture where they've changed the col- all the colors of the folks to from from white to brown, uh, but that the you know the activities are, you know, sort of culturally based, you know, um, you know, things like, you know, um um Well, I I don't even, I won't even know. I won't even sort of try to speak to what those are um, um, in particular, but they're very, it's it's very cultural specific um, cars are really cool. Um, And, you know, have you seen, I mean, I know this trans conversation is, is again, I think relatively new in more open spaces these days. Um, Obviously as we've, clearly pointed out it's not a new thing um uh you know been around for centuries and probably eons really um um but have you started have you noticed any kind of uh, materials that have been sort of adapted for trans folks have you done some yourself um um, um, yeah i'm just curious if, if anyone's kind of gone there
2: yet Um, surprisingly, I I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, Mm. since I I don't really work as much, um, with, um, children as I used to, Mm. um, I haven't really seen a lot of the, uh, different, uh, potential, uh, mediums out there. Um, I haven't had the chance to explore that. I'd love to though. Mm. Um, and I think, um, it would be good to maybe like have someone be able to look over the teaching programs that, um, have been made so far and sort of like, kind of see, okay, where are some areas we can add some representation or where, what are some things we can talk about that, um, might not necessarily come up in like a cishet, um, sort of cultural normative, uh, Mm -hmm. point of view. Um, so stuff like that. I I think there's a lot that's still left to be done.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. But I think we're not going to be able to do any of those things if uh being trans becomes illegal
2: um yeah (laughs) and so (laughs) that's definitely um so yeah if if anything um there is definitely work to be done there but the first uh is making sure that your clients are actually safe um because there's a lot of um all that all that anti-trans legislation will definitely affect clients and rbt's Mm -hmm. and, and everyone um and Unless we're able to fight against those laws first, um, we won't even get to the point where we can think about representation on note cards.
0: Yeah. So let's talk. Let's kind of finish off here and talk about kind of what we're what we want the listeners to be doing. Uh, Obviously in Texas, but you know, kind of anywhere. What are kinds of some of the actions that that uh, you know folks can 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 take to try to to try to stop some of this? And and before you tell me, I know you were saying some of these laws could potentially be deci- decided on this week um mm-hmm. and you and, and today's monday uh, may 15th 2023 and you and i had talked about trying to get this episode out this week on friday to try to get the word out but friday may be too late um, yes. uh, for some of these laws so because of what you've told me today and because it's you know I, i've still got some time here i'm going to see if i can't hammer this thing out today um okay. and, and so the folks can actually hear this sometime later today um maybe before some of these votes have happened so they can potentially get up and you know and yeah. and, and make a and, and put the word out um so w- what are some things folks can be doing
2: um first off is is the the usual contact your legislators um and and tell them to vote no on these on these bills um on SB12 SB1029 and SB14 are the three main ones Um, I believe there's a website, um, called EqualityTexas.org that has like, it tracks all of the current bills being pushed. You can contact your, um, legislators and specifically ask them on, based on these bills, like, Hey, vote no on this. Um, hearing that there's also, I believe, um, for those bills that are being heard soon, there will be time to testify against them. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, if you're in the area and are able to go to, I believe it's Houston and, uh, you know, um, testify against these bills. That's also helpful. Um, and yeah, a lot of it is just making a lot of noise and spreading the word, getting the word around, um, that this is not okay. Trans people are not okay right now. Um, and, and it's, it's, as a side note, it is crazy how little people know and it's not any fault of theirs. It's just media tends not to report on this sort of thing. Um, and it's, it's crazy to be faced with this sort of level of anti trans legislation uh to the point where I'm personally considering whether or not I'm able to even stay in the state safely, yeah, yeah um and then have other people not even be aware of what kind of legislation is going on and it's it makes one feel a little crazy sometimes <laughs> yes. um so and again, that's not anyone's like necessarily anyone's fault um it, it's just. I mean, it might be the media's fault, I guess, at this point, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but just getting the word out and making sure people are aware that trans people are, are facing this sort of this sort of honestly, it's it's genocide at this point, point. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and just making sure that they are doing everything they can to make sure that trans people in their lives feel safe, that they have access to medical care, and if they need yep. to help facilitate them leaving the state if yep. necessary. Um, Those are all things that I recommend people do, Um, especially in the coming months as these anti-trans bills begin to pass. You're going to see more and more people um, struggling to find a way to get out. And that actually is sort of what um, that Facebook post talks about um, is uh, my way of kind of helping trans behavior analysis students get out Mm -hmm. if they need to.
0: And, and, And what's that? So what is it you're doing
2: there? Um, Basically, I have a petition that I'm sending to ABAI, um, Mm. their DEI um, department, um, to essentially um, ask that they make a statement against this anti-trans legislation to show support um, for our uh, trans colleagues and clients, and also to create a task force um, Mm. that would help um, facilitate the transferring of trans students' credits from unsafe universities to safe ones. Um, Love that. Yeah, Yeah, basically just allowing them if they need to, because I personally am, am coming across that I at first was very concerned that I would not be able to leave because I'm still in school. I'm mm. finishing up my second year in, in UNT's behavior analysis program. And there are not a lot of universities across the country that um, would accept my credits fully um, and would be in safe states. Um, mm. Not to mention you know, like having to conduct a whole thesis remotely is is <laughs> insane, right. so um i I just want there to be protections in place for trans students and faculty to be able to move to a different university if they need to because yeah. um, while i i can't I can't prevent these bills from being passed. Um, I mean, we can do our best to sort of um, mm-hmm. you know uh, work on contacting legislators and and telling them no but uh i i honestly i have a feeling that they're still going to pass um but just this is sort of my way of kind of exerting control on my own environment just trying to provide at least a little bit of protection for other trans people trying
0: to
1: mm-hmm. leave
0: totally no that that's um that's Every word I want to apply to it doesn't make sense. I want to say that's cool, but it's awful. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: the fact that it's necessary is, is yeah,
0: bad. Yeah, I mean, it's great that you're doing it. So so really kind of two things for folks to be thinking about here. One, there are these bills, SB 12, SB was it, 1029. Uh, yeah, when, and, 1029, and 14, yeah. And 14 um that they can take a look at there's also a, a website which will get the exact address when we a, after the podcast here and put in the show notes uh mm-hmm. there's um, um uh, a, a petition that folks can sign we'll have a link to that um and also i think folks can be even be just talking to their 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 you know their employers their state chapters mm-hmm. um uh you know their 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 licensure who, whoever it is that's sort of you know um does what they do um and, and say, you know, w- we need to kind of create a network of support for our for our folks that are gonna, especially our students because they're, you know in the middle of programs, certainly uh, but uh, you know to a lesser extent, I think our you know our workers as well because they yeah. have to be moving it out as well if if some of these things come to pass. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I know that we as behavior analysts don't re- represent a whole ton of the population, so we may not be able to budge um, you know, some of these bills all that far, but we can certainly do a lot for each other. And we can also yeah. do a lot to advocate and maybe push some of those things through, and I imagine a lot of other states have similar things that are that are coming coming about or haven't already and certainly if they don't if any of these things pass they'll become precedent for every other state to try doing the same thing and so uh, start mm-hmm. looking for those similar things in your own states and, and and start kind of getting the word out yeah yeah absolutely yeah cool okay bren let's leave it there so folks um you know um uh Get a, get a bit of a shorter episode, so they can get all this good information right away. Yeah. Um, and uh, and also it gives me a chance to to hang up and start editing this thing, so I can get this out today. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on, Bryn. Of course, thank you.